Welcome to the Valley View Podcast. My name is Caleb Chamberlain, and I'm the pastor here at Valley View Church. We are so grateful that you are joining our church family as we pursue the Lord's heart and His plan for all of us. It is our desire to grow, and we are excited that you get to join us in this adventure. So grab your Bible and prepare your heart to seek God's face and all that He has in store. We covered a, lot, a very powerful passage last week. It was, it was a it was a challenging one. I just wanted to read it over us because we, we covered it in life groups. We, we've been reading about it, but who was challenged by this passage? Like, I mean, you raise your hands. Who was challenged by this, this heart of humility, this calling into unity, the looking at the amazing, contemplating the amazing love and humility of Christ? How we can live, how can we, if when we look at Jesus, how can we live disunified? How can we live in our own lane? Gazing upon Jesus draws us into unified adoration. This adoration, looking at God only. When we focus on his life, his love and sacrifice, it unifies us in humility, taking on his yoke, learning from him, becoming more like him. He is so humble. He's so willing. But I'm, gonna, so I'm just going to read this over you. Therefore, if any of you have an encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others in your relationships with one another. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in the very, nat- in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him up to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father, God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, not only in my presence, but now much more, now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. For it is God who works in you and to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. That verse, verse 14, that's a hard one right there. Who had a hard time with that one? I know, I know, we had a conversation, let's be honest. Some of us like to argue about what we should be doing and grumble and begrudging and say, oh, I tell you what, I feel like a hypocrite all week reading through this passage. I was like, oh, Lord. Start it with me, okay? Start this with me. Help me to not grumble and complain. Now, I was praying about this passage. God began to highlight an important factor to this passage. What are we doing with our words? You know, when we experience pressure and challenges, when we grumble, 
and complain. We are allowing our mouths to speak out our frustration, right? We're, we're verbally processing. Some of us are, who's a verbal processor? Some of you, you know yourself. I'm a verbal processor. If you, yeah, there's, and then there's the internal processors. That's Michelle. Um, <laughs> so that's why when we talk, I'm like, she's like, do you just need me to listen or do you want my input? And then when she comes to me, it's a conclusion to the thought. It's like, oh, I have really nothing to add to this conversation. It works better that way when we understand. <laughs> but we don't feel so frustrated when we, we get through it. But we verbalize and we process and there's good things about that. In this day and age, though, we can take our words to any, and our thoughts to anyone and everything. We have so many resources. We have the phone. We have our cell phone. We have our smarts, you know, apps and junk and just all these places of verbally processing and verbally saying and thinking it through and, and grumbling and complaining. And, and then I think this is the reality, though. The verse, this verse came to mind. The tongue has power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We... Now, I'm just going to focus on the power, the power of the tongue, the beauty and the amazing power of the tongue has power of life and death. And in pairing with this, Luke 6.45, as a good, man, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. We can either speak life or we can speak death. We, we talk to our kids this way. We're like, We've been trying to encourage them to like, man, because like, again, we get, we get excited and then you get like around like the, you know, our, the violent nature of boys and we just love to destroy and kill things, you know. That's just some of the things we struggle with. But I was like, okay, let's speak life. You will defeat them, <laughs> you know. Like, try to find a, some are better word than kill and destroy, you know. We will defeat you, okay. Um, but try to, to just talk about speaking life, speaking over people, because that is something that we, we don't realize that this is the power that our tongues have. And that's the first point. What we say matters. Our words have weight. Okay, this is, again, I want to premise this whole teaching. This is not shame fest time, okay? Because I could, but I'd probably be pointing most of the fingers at myself, okay? This is, this is not to shame you for the words that you've said or have said this morning or maybe say later. This isn't to shame you. This is just to remind us that our words actually matter. Do you sometimes feel like your words don't matter? Like they don't carry any weight. Like you speak it out and like, like I'm just wasting my breath. You know, like that. There's, there's, there's reason why this phrase has come out. We waste our breath. We go to the internet. We say things to the void. And then, you know, then you have a bunch of comments. And, you know, I know we've had those moments. I, I, I love when everybody just jumps in. You're like, I just have this thought. And then everybody dives right into it and then tries to tear you apart. Uh, you know, I know, Michael, we've had those like, you know, we're like, oh man, I didn't mean that to cause division there. It's like, oops. <laughs> it's like, Oh, I just kind of thought about this cool thing, and what about this? And so our words, like when we say it out, we're like, man, wow, I didn't realize it meant something. And some people get irritated. Some people, um, you know, there's, there's so many responses to our words. There's so many reactions. But it's so amazing because I think that, no, maybe I didn't put it on the Internet. Maybe I didn't say it out somewhere, but I said it out loud. I started verbally saying these things. And the conversations we have with one another, the way we verbally process or express our thoughts, opinions, and perspectives, they matter. They have significance. Death and life are in your tongue. 
Again, I don't want this to be a teaching that shames you for saying things in your past. I want this to be a reminder, a sobering, a sobering and beautiful reminder of the power of your tongue. The words you say over one another, about one another, behind one another, and also just as important about yourself, these words matter. These words matter. Um, we're going to read through a few passages. Now, just premising it, these are big old chunks of passages, so bear with me. I want to get through it because there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that touch on part of it, and then there's other parts that, like, oh, there's just context. There's a lot of context here. Um, starting out in James 3, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. This is a great advertisement for the teachers, okay? <laughs> no, but there, there's, there's great weight. Like when I say stuff, there's accountability there. There's a weightiness there. I'm like, I'm saying things, you're like, and I hope, and this is my encouragement, who cares what I say? I, God does care about what I say. Read the word. If we're not reading the word, we're missing the whole point of whatever I'm saying. This is, when I'm reading this word, when we're taking this into our time and, you know, to life group and to study, like, you know, Mary, how many times have you started a Bible study because of it spurred you from a passage? That's the most important thing we could be doing. Because, I mean, I can say things that are wrong. And I, heaven forbid, I do say that, but it's bound to happen. It probably has happened. Uh, but the Lord willing, like, he's going to... I'm just trying to hold myself to the word as much as possible. So anyway, that's, that's just for verse one. But here's the reality. And we all stumble, though, in many ways. Anyone who is at never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Or if you think about airplanes, that's the same context. It's, it's the same thing, the little thing. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire. We have seen that happen. One word, one loose tweet, something has set a whole person's life on fire. Again, we can, talk, we can talk about cancel culture, but no, there's a reality. There's accountability to our words. There's a weightiness. There is something that happens when we say things. Again, I'm not, not going to talk about cancel culture. <laughs> We're just going to talk about like, man, the reality is our words matter. It sets the whole course of, whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings. We have been made, who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth came praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Isn't that interesting? He's saying, first of all, we can't, he's like, the tongue's crazy. It's out of control. It controls your body. There's so many things. He's going to keep going. He's going to keep going here in a second. 
But the reality is like, so it's, it's like, how is this making sense? You're saying, okay, the tongue is powerful. It controls the trajectory of a lot of things in my body. It, it, controls my, it controls where I'm going, the things that impact me. So when I'm saying things, but you're saying also in the same vein, it can't be contained. It can't be controlled. There's animals, tigers, you know, you've seen animals be tamed. Like, you know, I've seen, I never thought I'd see a lion tamed. For the most part, it's pretty tame, right? Like, wow, they can contain that. That's, that's cool. But I can't contain, I can't tame this tongue. I can't. He's like, how can this be? He's like, but then he's, now he's going, okay, but here's the reality. Now you're speaking life and you're speaking death. You're speaking to God like with life and you're speaking death over people. He's like, this should not be. So it sounds like he's almost contradicting himself, but he's not. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Guess what? A salt spring produces, cannot produce spring water. It can't, bring, it can't do it. Sorry, it can't do that. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you har- harbor, now this seems like he's digressing. I'm going to pause for a second before I move on. He is talking about something that we all as believers have. The spring in our inner being. What is it? What is it we have? What does he talk about the spring? Hold on, I heard it. Spirit lap. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. When we rely on Holy Spirit, we're not relying on our own strength when we're not going. Again, then we're talking about fasted lifestyle. We're talking about yielding our own perspectives, yielding our own words. We're saying, Holy Spirit, well up within us. I need to let you control where I'm going with this. I need you to control my tongue. I need you to speak life where I don't see it. I need you to give me understanding. We're not operating out of two springs. It doesn't make sense. This is why we put to death, and we're going to talk about the, the flesh. We're, our flesh is dead, but yet we treat it like it's alive. No, we need to put to death. And we need Holy Spirit to speak through us. We have the same access. We have this fresh water that's welling in us. All right, continuing. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Those two things. Don't boast about it and don't lie about it. If it's in you, let it out. If you are bitter, let it out. Be honest about it. Confess that. If you have selfish ambition, be honest about that. Be honest. Because he knows what's in your heart. This is a way of keeping our, our, our tongues pure. When we are, we're saying, okay, Holy Spirit, you're speaking through me. So when things like bitter envy and selfishness start creeping in, get rid of it. Confess it. Let it die. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. Let's see here. But is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have been, where you have envy and selfish ambition, where there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. He's talking about the words that we speak, but not just lip service, 
But the things of the Holy Spirit are those things, peace-loving, considerate, pure, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. When you think about that, okay, now give it in context, okay, think about the frustrating things that we have. I know all of us have um, political things. We have people we're not happy with. We have very big opinions on it. And again, I'm not going to jump into that. I'm not going to jump into it and harbor on it because I'm that same, I have that same guilt. I have that same I have the same frustration sometimes. I'm like, okay, Lord, help me. But like when I'm speaking about anybody, even people I don't agree with, people that I'm not happy with, whether it's big political or friends or people I work with, Lord, let it be peace loving. Let it be considerate. Let it be submissive. Let it be full of mercy and good fruit, which is the fruit of the spirit. Kind, gentle, loving. Help me to be impartial. Ooh, that's hard to do. Oh, man impartial, not choosing who you love and how you feel about Because we talk good about the people we like, right? Probably. And, and sometimes it's kind of funny when people are, like, talk about some people and people are like, man, do you not like them or something? I'm like, oh, you heard that in my voice too, right? The way I was talking, I wasn't really like saying I don't like them, but I wasn't very flattering to them. You know, like those things that we say, the way we present the person, like those things. He's like, no, let it be impartial. Like they could never tell that you were, that you were hurt by somebody, that it was actually, but also that it's sincere. Man, how do you do all these things? Impartial, full of mercy, good fruit, and sincere. Because he's all talking again about, because we're called to be peacemakers. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Man, this is a Bible study in and by itself. You could spend weeks on this. This is challenging. The way we talk about people, the way we think about people, the way we present in our language. This is something that's been so hard for me because really, I, I have my opinions. I'm very judgmental. That's my flesh I very, I'm very judgmental. If you don't know that, just hang out with me for a week and you'll find out how judgmental I can be. I'm like, oh God, I'm just such a wretch. I'm such a mess. Like what is wrong with the way I'm speaking about this person? So, and God reminds me again, he's been reminding me, he's like, this is for you, Caleb. This isn't for you guys. I mean, maybe for you guys. I'll let it be for you guys if you want it. But I'm just saying it's for me. All week, up till yesterday, I've been wrestling with this passage of grumbling and complaining, of letting my mouth be sincere, full of mercy, considerate, submissive. I don't feel it. It's my flesh going, I don't want to. I want to feel entitled. I want to operate in that selfish ambition, that envy, the anger, that little thing that's just like, what is it? And then he's like, no, I want you to walk in this to be considerate of other people. Think about how they feel, how, where they're coming from. Again, people from across the aisle, people from different belief systems, people from all over. We're not going to agree with them. That doesn't mean we have to believe in their system, but that doesn't mean we also are just so angry at them. You know, we have to be full of mercy. This is how people see Jesus, is through the, the, how we love Oh, man, there's so much to this passage. I mean, like, I would say, I would encourage you, read through this. But I'm just, there's a big takeaway. There is a supernatural significance to our words. A supernatural influence, a supernatural change. Everything we, we do, we, everything we speak is what is in us. 
And that's kind of scary sometimes when it comes out. It's like, ooh, that was, that was in me. You know, especially, and then again, like when we're around our vulnerable people, when we're around our people people, you know, the people that they won't care what we say. Those are the people I'm talking about. Those are the times when, or when you're at home and you're, maybe you're in your drive. I don't know how you talk, but sometimes it's those moments you're like, okay, Lord, that is in me. Help that to get out of me. I don't want that in me. The words are words that come to us, the ones we choose to speak, because there's the words that come to us and then there's the words we choose to speak. The ones we choose to speak make all the difference. We can either become a victim of our words, which is to say, we just let come out as is, you know. And I used to be, I still wrestle with that one. The words that just come out so naturally, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Do you understand? Like, like when we just say whatever we feel, whatever we're thinking, like we don't even take reservation on it. We're like, just like word vomit, especially for the verbal processors. We, we word vomit sometimes. Um, we just say what comes to us. And, but, but God is challenging us. He's like, I want you to choose the words you speak, to take captive the thoughts that are coming in, to hold on and slow down and be still. We don't want to become victims. I talked about this before. We are more than conquerors. We're not victims of our words. So we take captive the thoughts or, the fa- or fast our thoughts and bring them before God's throne, giving him full reign of what we say next. We fast our words and we yield them to God and ask God for his heart, his words, his perspective on things. Right? In 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, for we, though we live in the world... We don't wage war as the world does. We talked about this. It was kind of funny. Some of you are like, man, this sounds like Friday night. It's funny because you guys were basically preaching and talking about my sermon. So I had it done Friday, so it wasn't before. But it was like, man, the Holy Spirit is moving in us. This is something that's it's touching on our hearts. We don't wage war the same way the world does. Do you see how the world does? How do they wage war? What are some ways? I mean, there's gun ways. That seems like the most basic understanding ways, but there's other ways. How do we wage? What's that? Lying about somebody. Lying somebody. So, you know, false accusation and, yeah. yeah. Anything else? Protest. Protest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beating them with words. Beating them with words. Yeah. And especially in America, I think that's something that we've, that freedom of speech Again, like, we're not going to go into the political side of that, but like, there's, there's the reality that we as Christians thought that freedom of speech means saying whatever. We wage war. Again, like, I'm not saying we can't speak, we can't be honest, we vote and do the right things, but like, man, sometimes that verbal thing that we do, we get, we get entitled to, we don't wage war the same way the world does. We don't wage war with our words. We do that sometimes, though. It's, it's again, like... I'm relating to you and sympathizing you and I have compassion on you. So this is not shame. I'm just speaking and preaching to myself. I don't wage war that the world does. I can't speak the way that the world does. I can't be angry the way the world is. The weapons we fight are not with the weapons of the world. On the contrary, whether it's online, whether it's in person, whether it's behind people's back, gossip, whatever that is, we don't wage war the way the world does. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That doesn't sound like a wimp, right? That sounds like a, that sounds like a warrior taking captive every thought. Like, 
You know, like when you see like uh, this like really cool action movies, like, like, like the guy just like grabs him and he like holds him. He's like takes captive. He's like, you know, and then I've uh, like watched like, I don't know, like Reacher, like that dude, he's a beast. Like he's huge and he's strong and then people are like trying to fight him and it just seems like kind of a sad battle because it's like these wimpy guys like, oh, we can take you one. And then you know, like, they find out quickly that there's no way. And the reality is the same thing. It's like, you know, he said, you're a warrior. You're not a, like a passive person. Now, like, we're not peacemakers, like, oh, I don't want to say anything mean. I'm like, I'm just passive and wimpy. And like, no, he's like, peacemaker is strong. A peacemaker is strength, is taking captive every thought that comes against, first of all, sets itself up against the knowledge of God, which is everything that God is. Everything that, take captive everything that he thinks about us. It's everything about the knowledge of God. We take it captive and we make it obedient to God. Obedient to Christ. Every thought that we feel about others, the thoughts that we, we take every captive, every thought, the thought that we think about others, the way God feels about them, the thoughts about God, we feel about Him, the thoughts about us, how He feels about us, those things we take captive. We don't live the way the world lives, we don't speak the way the world does, and we don't fight the way the world fights. Again, I'm just preaching to myself because I found myself this one of these weeks. I'm just like, wow, all this sort of word vomit started speaking how I felt about myself in the morning. And the Lord's like, you're grumbling and complaining against my creation, which is you. You're my creation. I love you. I think much better than you think of yourself. That's the enemy speaking and you're receiving and you're speaking it. It's like, shut your mouth, take captive every thought and make it obedient to me because that's not right. And he thinks about like the same other people. Like, man, when you're thinking about, oh man, this is good. This is good practice for, you know, like when you're married or you've got kids or you're, you've got your grandkids. You're like, you're thinking about, like, oh Lord, there's just no way. Like, I'm taking captive that thought. That's a lie. I'm going to speak what God sees. I'm going to hear his heart and I'm going to engage the way he thinks. Man. Oh, we're not even to the second point. This is good. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 20-29. That, however, is not the life of life you learned. This is, again, this is talking about like, this talk about the way of sin and the way of the world. He's going into the context. This is not the way you have learned to live. When you heard about Christ, you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Hold on, I think I'm on the wrong patch. There we go. Now you're with me. When you heard about Christ and you were taught in him according to him, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, the renewing of your minds, the changing and the transformation, and to be put in the new self, put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Again, premise this, truthfully and in love. In your anger, do not sin. Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. There's layers and layers on those two verses alone. This is a hard one because, like, I think as we as angry people, and you know, we've got like the righteous anger going on. Again, I'm, I, I repent of that because I don't believe that's something that God has given us. I think He gives us the He is angry. We hear His anger, and we can say, "God, 
I see that you're also rich in mercy in this situation too. You hurt, I wanna feel what you feel, but I'm not gonna be angry. I'm not gonna take it upon myself to be angry. I'm gonna take it upon you to be perfectly angry, perfect in mercy, perfect in love. No, he says, repent, take it. Don't let it, the sun go down on your anger. In fact, repent of it. Again, like how many times have we been angry? Who's been angry? Okay, be honest, real honest. Let's be angry. We're angry people. You know how angry you've been. You know that you've been pretty ticked off. There's, again, like I'm not saying there's no right to the anger. I'm not saying that there's no offense or hurtfulness. There's so much pain. We're really good at giving people pain. I mean, God points out to me the times that I've hurt other people. That's what's been good. That's what, that's what humbles me. It's like, okay, Lord, you show me how I've been effective. I'm not really kind to myself. So, man, we've all hurt one another, and we are definitely hurting. We are hurt. We're angry. That's okay. That happens. It's not okay. It's not right, but it is the way it is. We are angry. We have been hurt, but don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. How do you do that? How do you, how do you be angry and do not sin? You know when you've sinned. You know when you've gone too far, when you let it and you're gossiping, you're slandering, you're speaking death over people. Again, it doesn't have to be, I wish they were dead. It can be like, man, I wish you, like, you could just be something really rough. It's like, oh my gosh, that's coming out of my mouth. I'm speaking about God's creation that way. We do not give the devil a foothold. It happens with this first. This anger, this verbal processing, it's like, man, what does he do? We take it to the Lord. He's like, first of all, he put it on, put it on the new attitudes of your minds, put on the new self. Don't you remember your formal way of life to put off the old self, which was corrupted by its deceitful desires, its lying ways? It's like, no, you need to walk in truthfully. We need to speak to our neighbors if we're frustrated, our brothers and sisters, if we're angry at them, in love. Confess that you're angry. That's awkward. Who's done that before? It's not fun. That's something that I really have, re- I mean, again, like my family, we come from, t- we got a lot of siblings, so confrontation is one of those things you kind of have to do. You just have to do it. You got to walk in it. And sometimes some of our family members have operated in different ways of like they're passive aggressive and they're like, I am mad at you, but I'm never going to talk to you again. Yeah, but that's, that's not healthy. So like we've done things, we've done that. But I've just realized that God's like, no, I want you to talk to them about you the way you feel about it, the way, not, again, not how you feel about them, the way that you take ownership in it, responsibility in the situation. So like I've come and have conversations where I haven't talked with somebody in years. Again, not because I'm mad at them, just I am mad at them, but like it's just life happens. So like I realized I'm like, I'm mad at him. So I'm gonna call him up and tell him <laughs> I'm mad at him. Sorry, I've been mad at you for three years. I haven't talked with you for so long. Again, like that could have been a really awkward conversation, right? Like, out of the blue, hey, how's it going? I'm mad at you. <laughs> oh, oops, awkward. No, but it was really sweet because what happened was we had reconciliation. Love came and abounded more and more. Again, yes, sometimes it doesn't happen the way we wish. I wish all of my conversations went that as well as that. I've had ones that didn't go so well. But then I also can know my perspective was I pointed a finger. As soon as I point fingers, I'm like, God, I take ownership. I confess. I use my mouth. I'm not letting the devil get a foothold. I'm not letting a brood of bitterness come in. Oh, this is good. Anyway, you could do a Bible study. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. <clears throat> Caleb, do not let any wholesome talk come out of your mouths. All right. Let wholesome, wholesome, unwholesome. Okay, here we go. 
They're close, but not at all. Only what is helpful, what is for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who have listened. Man, okay, we're, we're, we're talking some deep waters here, okay? This is hard. This is a hard thing. But this is what's wonderful. Authenticity matters, okay? I don't want this is because some of our churches have taught about shut it up, don't talk about it, maybe gossip a little bit to get it out of your system a little bit. You know, this is churches. We do this. Churches die because of gossip. Churches are ruined because of gossip because they're like, we don't want to be confrontational. We'd rather just gossip and talk about it on the side until it's, you know, they go (laughs) or something or something feels better. It never feels better and never produces fruit. It always reaps destruction. There is something about, I want us to be honest, but here's the reality. We're not, I'm going to talk about where we're being honest first with. Authenticity matters, growing in truth and in love. I wrestled with this point way too many times. I was just wrestling with how to get it succinct because I'm like, I don't want to say, let's speak the truth in love and then let's all just run out and start speaking the truth and maybe hopefully in love. We're going to first start with the first step, okay? Authenticity matters. Okay, there's two layers to the statement. We need to be authentic and honest to God. Some of us take it too much into our circles of friends first. We need to take it first to God. We need to confess our thoughts to him. Be honest. He hears it. He's not offended by it. I've cussed him out. Okay, I'm not, this is not me preaching. You should cuss to God. Like, I'm not saying that, okay? (laughs) I just remember in my anger, in my zeal, in my youth, I was not very mature. God knew that was in my heart anyway. He's not really shocked or surprised. He was like, okay, I knew you thought that about me anyway. (laughs) But he's like, I hear you though. I hear you and you're being authentic. You're being real with me. I can be real with you. And that's the whole point. He's able to share his thoughts, his heart with me. We need to be authentic. Bring our, and confess our thoughts to him. Surrender them to him. Give it up. So we talk about authentic, we're being authentic, but we also, in the next statement, we need to grow in truth and in love. The only true perspective comes from who? Who's the, I mean, again, we talk about absolute truth because we, we hear too much about my truth, your truth, blah, blah, blah. That's a bunch of oh, crap. That's a, that's, that's a wrong language. It's, it's not right. It's not true. There's only truth and there's non-truth. There is truth. And who's the only truth that we know that is absolute? God. His way, his perspective is perfect. And the only love that we need to grow in truth and we need to grow in love. We need to speak the truth in love. So how do we grow in truth and in love? It's only to go to the God that has both all truth and all love. He is perfect in love, perfect in truth. So in order for us to be able to speak the truth in love, we need to go to God with our thoughts and our emotions as wrong as they may be. We might be completely dead wrong. We might be actually mostly spot on, but that doesn't matter. Take it to him anyway. We need to be honest with him. Again, I'm reiterating, I don't believe God wants us to say nothing at all or to hold it all in. I don't think it's right. I think when our hearts are wrecked, when we're angry, when we're, we're feeling hurt, I don't want us to become a walking doormat to pain. We don't just, again, we turn the other cheek, but where do we turn it to? We turn it to Jesus, okay? It's not... Turn in the other cheek, you know, get stomped on, be treated, mistreated, and deal with it. 
It's like, no, he's like, no, rather, what freedom we have to bring our worries to him. Man, what freedom we have to bring our hurts to him. He's well acquainted. It talks about in Isaiah 53.3. He is, was despised and rejected by man, by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He is well acquainted with our grief. He holds the tears of our hearts. He's, he gets it. He understands it. Share our worries. We have freedom there. Because again, like this is the other thing. We're all worried about who we can be honest with. You know, you guys, you, that trust circle, you know, you got your family, your, your people, your, your, the people you trust that won't hold it against you. The great thing is God is the perfect example of someone to talk with. Perfect example of someone who can be, first of all, your shoulder, your perspective to help hear you when you need to be heard. And honestly, we need somebody that's going to build us back up to where we really, truly need to be. Not to be our echo chamber, but to be the person that's actually, why well, have you thought about it this way? But I love you. How about you look over here? Look at this. Do you see it this way? Just walk with us in love. He's not mean. It's a privilege and freedom that we have because he loves us so much. He wants to bring us to bring our burdens to him, to cast them off at the feet of the cross. As we fast our words, which is to say, as we surrender what our flesh is crying out to say, and we say, God, give me your heart. Help me feel the way you feel because this hurts. I don't like the way I feel. I don't like the way I see this. I don't like the end I see. Again, like this, there's some heart hard things that we see, that we've experienced. But when we face our feelings and our thoughts about others, or our feelings and thoughts about ourselves, again, we feel them about ourselves. These thoughts that aren't biblical, that is to say how God sees you, and they're not life-building, then we are to take these, if they're not, they don't, these are the qualifiers, if they're not life-building and biblical, not, not like, you know, because we have the self-esteeming ones. We have the ones on Facebook like, you are enough and all that junk. And it's like, man, hold on. What do you mean by that? <laughs> no, it's not these nice little isms. It's, God, if I'm saying these things and they're not biblical in the way you see me, then I'm taking these things captive and I'm surrendering these thoughts to you. I'm saying, God, I don't, I, I don't know. What do you think about this phrase? What do you think about my things about? What do you think about my perspective of this person? We are training our mind to take every one of these feelings, every one of our thoughts captive and surrender them to him and ask him what he feels about him. And we ask him for his heart. Again, I'm, I'm going to pick on that phrase. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it all. Let's go one step further because that's so natural and it's really shallow. We aren't shallow and we're not natural. We're supernatural. We're operating in the deep love of Jesus and we're equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's even better. <laughs> Instead of holding back our thoughts and our reservations and like, oh, I'm not going to say anything at all. I'm just going to walk away from that one. We aren't called to be silent and angry. But in the spirit of being more than a conqueror, we press in and we don't shrink back and ask God for his heart, his perfect emotions, and we bless them. We speak blessing. We speak into something that we don't see. We give his perspective. That's how we operate. This is, again, is this easy to do? It's impossible to do without Jesus. Without Holy Spirit, we cannot do this. 
But with Christ, all things are possible. With Holy Spirit, all things are possible. Man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to read all this. This is just, there's so much. It, um, I think I've got my passages mixed up. That's okay. I'm going to read this. Uh, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, it talks about, you know, because this is my purpose. This is me as a, as a teacher. I'm here to equip the people for works of service, right? So in verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. We want to grow in maturity and wisdom. But man, like just like children, like again, like you equip them with words and then they start... There's that, two, that, that double-edged sword. <laughs> then they start using words, and they start saying things, and they start talking back. <laughs> it's, it's fun. Oh, man, it's fun. Along with understanding of language must also come maturity and self-control. It must come with that. So this is, again, like, this isn't beating us up, like, man, you should stop talking so much and stop complaining so much. It's like, no, man, the mature thing to do is to take it to the person who can do something about it. Like, it cracks me up. You know, the kids that are so mad that you didn't do something, they're like, well, well, did you ask me to do that for you? Did you ask? No, I didn't. Like, okay, maybe start with that. Ask, go talk with me. Like, it's not a problem to be frustrated and need and have something. Again, it talks about James 1. Like, man, he's not far from giving us what we need. He's not above it. He's like, I understand you have need. But as we grow in reliance on Christ and Holy Spirit, we grow in understanding of what he thinks of us and thinks of other people. We have this power, spirit of power and of love and of self-control. We aren't doing this through our strength. We're doing this through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And this requires supernatural patience, gentleness, and love. Man, I don't think I'm going to get through all of this. Oh my goodness, I have too many passages. I've just, I was trying to hurry. But there's so much. There's so much. And I, I don't want you to read through it. So I'm, I might pick through parts of it. So I, I want to honor your time. I know that you're like, I'm fine. But I want to honor your time. Because I want us to get this. I want us to, to, to wrestle with this. And I want you to read this at home. But in James 1, 19 through 27, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Man. I mean, we could read through that whole thing. Be slow. Be quick to listen. That's hard. We don't find that very often anymore. We're not quick to listen. We're very quick to speak. We're very even quicker to get angry. But it doesn't produce righteousness. And as believers, we are called to be so quick to listen, so slow to speak, so slow to anger. It talks more about, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word 
Let's see here. Oh, there we go. Good. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. It's so ridiculous. But he's saying it's, that's the problem, though. We forget what the word is saying. We need to fix our eyes on the word. Whoever intently looks into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Man, this is what prevents us from getting angry. This is what slows us down. Looking into his perfect law, looking into his perfect ways. The supernatural gift of grace, the grace that allows us to bring our complaints to him and and submit, again, like listening to what's happening. Man, there's some offensive things that are spoken. A lot. If you want to look for it, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. You could be offended by everything. And again, a lot of it's very offensive. But taking it, listening to it, like, okay, God, I'm going to, be not, I'm going to, I'm going to shut my mouth up. I hate what I just heard. And it makes me even more angry right now, Lord. And I feel that blood rush into my face. But I'm going to go, Lord, what do you think of this? I don't like this. What do you think about this? Again, I, I don't think about my perspective. Like, how are you grading me? That's not what I'm saying. How are you grading me? Am I in the right spot? Am I good? Am I approved to think the way that I'm thinking? No, that's not what we're asking him. We're saying, God, you're perfect in thought and heart. Again, like, we, you know, you, our heart and emotions, we're kind of like a little disconnected sometimes. We're a little, you know, we're a little different. We're a little, there's a dichotomy we have. I feel this way, but I'm thinking this way. God is perfect in thought and in heart. He has feelings that are perfect. So when we go to him and say, what are you thinking? What are you feeling about this? Are you angry about this? I'm angry about this. It's like, no, I'm not surprised by this. In fact, oh man, don't you see they're hurt? Don't you see the way, oh, don't you wish that they would come to me? Pray for that. Don't you see the way I love them? How broken they are? How they're just seeking, how they're hungry? And look what's happening. Someone is meeting him and giving him the wrong things. It's like, man, doesn't that hurt your heart too? Doesn't it hurt, man, that they don't get it, they don't see me, that how much I love them and I desired them from the beginning of the creation. I sought them, I called them my name, I've counted their hairs. I love them, I have plans for them, I'm calling them, I'm yeah, I'm desiring them. See them the way I see them. Feel about them the way I feel about them. As we bring those complaints in our prayer time, again, prayer time, time with God. It isn't like our closet only. It's while you're driving every moment, pray without ceasing. Take those to them in prayer. He transforms us when we do this as we bring more to him. He starts transforming it. The more we bring to him, the more he has to work with us to transform us. Like right when we surrender those thoughts, those things that we have, those little areas in our lives. And he transforms us and he gives us a heart about the issue. He gives us... Man, again, I, I love what he does through prayer. I think about, um, if you've ever heard about Exodus Cry, there's a guy that has been praying for the human trafficking. He's been burdened by human trafficking. He was offended and hurt initially. He heard something, he was offended by it, and then he took it to prayer. And he took it to even more prayer. And he grounded himself in prayer. And he sought the Lord in prayer. And now what's going on with their ministry is it's exploding because he gave him his heart. God gave him his heart for what's going on. To see the victim and the people who are abusing 
the different way than we see them in the earth. He sees them differently. He's like, they're all slaves. They're all broken. They all need me. We need his heart. We can't look the way the world does. We can't judge our basis of what we see in social media and how we should as Christians love people, love our neighbors. We need to press into the place of prayer and read his word because his word tells us how to live, whether you believe it or not. You have to look at it because when you look at it, okay, God, I mean, this passage alone, if you start picking at and saying, God, you're thinking this? I mean, it's right there. He's telling us how to live. It isn't easy. It doesn't give us all the solutions. Of, it doesn't make it um, take away the problem. But he's like, no, I want, I want to transform your heart so that when, when you pray, I can answer. I can change things. You can pray in agreement with me and my heart. Man. Oh. I can't do it without doing it. I'm sorry. Romans 8, 12. I've got to read it. Sorry, guys. I have to. I have a lot here, and I know it's a lot, and we, we probably will have to cover it next week because this is a reality. This is a fire hydrant because it's not me speaking. it. It's the word of God is a fire hydrant, if you believe it. He is so rich. It's so consuming, and we can't. I want to digest it. I want to chew on it. I want to get it because if we just go, oh, that was nice. That was felt good. No, I want it to be the reality in our lives. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Live in fear and hopelessness again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about... Your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, I need you, Dad. Like, you remember those moments where you're, you know, you would hear it, Daddy, Mommy, I need you. Like, this, you know, those moments, those are precious moments. You're like, oh no, what happened? <laughs> you're like, oh great. But those are the cries of our heart. This is who we are. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're God's children, if we're His children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory, his sufferings, we share in those things. The way he feels, the way he suffered, the way he mourned, the way he felt, we share in those sufferings. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. They're waiting for us to shine. They're waiting for us to shine with the light of Christ. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope because we are going to shine. We will be revealed. We will shine. That the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inward as we wait eagerly for adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. 
For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they have already have? We're getting his perspective. We hope in what he hopes for. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We slow ourselves. We wait in the Lord. And in the same way, the Spirit helps us. This is the hope. This is the blessing. This is the promise. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Have you had those moments? I don't even know what to pray, God. I give up. This sucks. This is the worst. You, it's like, it feels like a Hail Mary. I don't even know what it is. I don't even have any answer for this. It's done. There's no way out of this. There's no way through this. There's no way this person's going to change. There's no way. That you, there's no way. That's all I can see. It's like, there's this, I don't even know what to do. You just like, maybe it's just, you just scream. This point of like, ah, Father, I don't know what to do. Do you feel that way sometimes? He's, oh, we don't know what to pray for. I don't even know what to do. But the, thank God, the Spirit himself, he intercedes for us through our wordless groanings. And he who searches our hearts, he knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. He knows our hearts. He knows how we feel about it. He knows the words that want to come out. I want to scream it out. I want to tell somebody, so-and-so, this is what I think. This is the worst. You shouldn't be doing this. I hate that you're doing this. Why are you living this way? And why do I? Again, you idiot. And you're talking to yourself. Man, you're so stupid. Oh, gosh. You're verbalizing these awful things. And he's like, stop. Stop saying those things and groan for a minute. Because you don't, aren't saying the right things and you don't know what to pray for. You're like, ah! <laughs> That's how I've been feeling this week sometimes. Like, Lord, I don't know what to do in me. I don't know how to feel about some things. I don't know how to feel about some of my friends and my family and the things that I choose. We don't know how to do it. But we groan. We talk to Him. And he hears our hearts and he hears what we think and we feel and he is so aware and he intercedes. And we know that in all things, God works for those, for the good of those who love him. He loves us and he works the good in us. He is dedicated to it. Who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that we might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? The things that we're hurt by, what shall we say? If God's for us, who can be against us? If God's for me, then how can I be against me? How I feel about myself and my inadequacies. If God is for that person that I'm very angry with, how can I be against him? Who can be against that person? The enemy can't win. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he also not along with him graciously give us all things? He's not promising to hold back the suffering and the pain. That we're not we're like somehow going to get out of it. There's, these things come. Sin produces pain. 
Sin produces so much hurt and misery. He's like, I'm sorry, these are things that are gonna come, but I'll give you also all the things that I gave Jesus. Just like I gave Jesus all things, I'm gonna give you all things. So hang on, groan inwardly, talk with me, hear my thought, hear my words. Because I hate reading that passage and, and saying like, oh, God works all things for good. We're like, oh man, maybe that means no suffering. <laughs> maybe that means no misery. Maybe that means my, my furnace won't burn out. Like, like just, or like, man, maybe like all our kids will be great, do all the right things. And like, no, I promise you that those things are going to be hard. Sorry, I hate it for you, but I'm groaning for you. I'm inwardly seeking for you. I'm, I'm interceding for you. I am for you, and I will give you perspective of what I feel about you, what I feel about your circumstances, and what I feel about the people around you. 